Hello and welcome back to De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football, and this is episode number four. On the podcast today, myself and Lewis were joined by student journalist Aaron Smith and Mark Cunningham. We discussed all the action from the SPFL Premierships games at the weekend, including Motherwell versus Rangers, Kilmarnock versus Hibernian, St Johnston versus St Mirren, Hamilton Academical versus Dundee United and Celtic versus Livingston. Prior to recording this um, episode of the podcast, um, there was no new news in relation to any, you know, things that we could talk about today, um, you know, that were out with the games at the weekend. Um, however, since recording the podcast and now it being in post-production, um, Neil Lennon has came out and confirmed that another player from Celtic has tested positive for coronavirus. Um this is ultimately what he had to say in his press conference that, that sticks out. Sadly, we won't be able to, to react to it, but I felt it was interesting. And if people hadn't had a chance to hear it yet, that this is essentially what Neil Lennon had to say on the, the whole Dubai fiasco um, as a whole. I'd have, I think that's remarkable. And I think it totally blows out of the water the way the trip, the way the, the training camp has been portrayed by certain quarters of the media, by certain pundits, and by certain government officials as well. We did not abuse any privilege. We did the right things. We were absolutely, totally professional. We had a little drink in the afternoon on a day off, completely allowed, no law-breaking. Yet, no, we come back to this barrage of absolute hypocrisy. So you've heard what Neil Lennon had to say on the whole Dubai fiasco. Um, let us know what you think on Twitter at DeStefano Talks. Um, I'm really interested to seeing what a lot of you know that you listeners have to say and what what you think about the whole situation. Um, it's easy for us to come on here and tell you what we think, um, but we would like to get that interaction where you tell us what you think. Um, so. At De Stefano Talks on Twitter, uh, let us know what you think on that. Um, without dragging this on far too long, um, the main purpose of today's podcast was to discuss all the action um, from the weekend's games. So let's just get right into that right now. start with probably the the where we've got the most talking points again with the most talking points in Motherwell versus Rangers uh, it ended a 1-1 uh, draw uh, a goal from Devante Cole in the first half so Motherwell go one up but a uh, late into the second half header from Cedric Eaton equalized it for Rangers which earned them a point um, and a point closer um, to what seems title number 55. Uh, Aaron, if we start with you, what, what did you think of the game? Uh, well, it was a very good result for Motherwell, obviously. Um, I think Graham Alexander was going to get him playing great football. There was, when Robson was back there, I think there was a real danger of them going from playing in Europe this season to being relegated in the same season. Um, but I can't see that happening with Alexander. I know he's winless, but he's also unbeaten. Uh, and to get a point off Rangers in any situation is also fantastic. Yep, um, I think they join Livingston uh, and Hibs uh, as the only teams to, to take points off of Rangers this season, albeit um, it was draw because they are unbeaten. Uh, Lewis, yourself, what did you think of the game? Yeah, definitely. I thought 
much improved model. Obviously, I think going into the game, probably people expected they wouldn't be taking anything. So to come out of it taking a point and now off bottom, I think they'll be delighted with. It was, an, it was a good performance from them. And I think they may be tired towards the end, but they did get that point. So they'll be happy, I'm sure. Uh, Mark? Uh, I thought that, well, first and foremost, I think that Graham Alexander is an absolute masterstroke of an appointment from Motherwell. I think that it's a great show of initiative from Alan Burrows and all of the, the board that up uh, at Motherwell. Uh, I think that the, the promotion with Fleetwood and Salford City shows that uh, Graham Alexander knows how to manage under a lot of pressure. And I agree with uh, the previous comments. That I think that he will get them playing really, really will get them playing really, really well, really fluidly, and probably add a, a bit a bit more um, a discipline to their game. I was really impressed with the way that the Motherwell goal came about. It started off from a throw-in over, uh, over on basically the Motherwell's right-wing area. It manages to work its way all the way over, and a great, a great give-and-go and striker play movement from Tony Watt with a fabulous cross and finish at the end from uh, him to Devante Cole. Yeah, it was. It was a really nice work goal from Motherwell. Um, Tony Watt, obviously, uh, applying the assist. Um, I think the game overall, um, you know, my thoughts are going to echo what Lewis, um, Aaron and Mark said. It was very much a, you know, a good display from Motherwell. Um, a thoroughly deserved point um, in what I'm going to dub the relegation battle at the minute because um, it is quite tight down at the bottom end of the table. Um it was a good display from them, and I, th- I think Motherwell fans will, will be happy with it. You know, last time they took the lead against Rangers, they ended up on the losing side from a, a late uh, 2-1 um, at Ibrox. But, yeah, I, I think they will be happy with that. Um, it was a good-headed uh, equaliser from Cedric Eaton. I think it was in the 70th, early 70th minute. Um, the Rangers managed to equalise. Um, a lot of people suggesting that it, it, it was offside. I've I've not seen a clear angle as of yet to effectively, you know, take a side. I, I just can't see a, a, a decent angle. What do you guys think? Do you think it was offside if we start with you, uh Lewis? I think there's definitely angles that maybe look slightly offside, but it's I think it'd be harsh on the linesman considering it's like very, very tight if he was in as you say it's not really definitive. In regards to the goal from Eton, it was a good header and Mullen must be hating him because I think already he's got a goal every 19 minutes against them and every league goal he scored has been against Mullen so he must be hating when he's coming as a sub it does also show that Rangers have got more options they're able to bring someone off the bench who's going to score a crucial goal in the game that means they, they get a point out of it uh, Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that um, I do think the goalkeeper could have done a little bit better with it um, but again it was a decent decent header um, Mark? I um on it was uh, it was a, it's the cross the crosses um needs to be credited as well it was an absolute um it was a diamond there across from Borna Barisic in towards Eaton it was basically put on a plate and saying attack me and put me into the back of the net you know um I do think that the offside is kind of well it's a tight 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 angle isn't it because of the just the way that the camera is very difficult to see uh but um. Uh, they say give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. On first view, I must admit, I did think it was offside, but um, I can see why how it can be so difficult, as Lewis said, for the uh, for the linesman. And I would, I would, uh, I would have to um, uh, agree with agree with that as well. 
Um, Aaron? Yeah, I've got to agree. Um, it's got, I've got to agree it's not definitive at all. Um, but you have to give the attacker the benefit of doubt. And I think from what I have seen, uh, which, to be honest, are just screenshots off Twitter, it does seem like he's just marginally on site. Uh, but it's a fantastic header, nonetheless. Uh, I get your point, the keeper could have done better, but it's a fantastic header. I think if we don't, if pardon the jumping in, but I think that um, as a goalkeeper myself, um, it's very difficult when someone headers it right into the ground, down the way. It's a great, it's, the, it's a typical striker's header that's textbook. As soon as you're anywhere, anywhere within the six yard box, the first thought that you have to be is try to kind of header it into the ground. The reason being, so it's so difficult for the keeper to save because he has to adjust his feet and adjust his body to try and get uh, and try and get sort of down towards it. So I do get, the, I do take your point, Stefan, that it was actually quite close to his body. I think it was just the the, the pace on the, the cross from Barisic that was the that much of quality that I think it allowed Eaton to attack it that well. You know. Yeah. No. No. I can. I can take that point on board. Um. I, I, you were mentioning you've seen it from Twitter. You've seen like pictures there, Aaron. Um, I seen someone saying that Declan Gallagher's um leg was was playing Eaton onside again. There just is no definitive angle that that I want to say. Yeah, it was onside or no, it, it was definitely offside. Um, you know, Rangers fans are going to obviously say no, that goal was definitely onside. Motherwell fans are going to tell you it was offside. Um, I don't, I don't. We'll leave that there for just now because I know we've got another um sort of contentious issue to, to come up uh, to follow in one of the later games which will sure spur on a, a chat about VAR so we'll leave that till then um, it's an unbeaten start for Graham Alexander his motherwell boss he drew with St Mirren uh, last week and now he's, he's drawn with Rangers uh, yesterday someone described it I can't remember who it was um, but they described it as a good appointment I think it may have been you Mark um, it was you know, he had success, as you mentioned, with Salford City, but th- this is essentially now a, a building, a building, pl- a platform rather to build on for, for Alexander and, and Motherwell. Um, what do you, well, rather, what, what do you think they, they do now? Where, where do they go from here? They've, they've looked a lot more um, full of energy. Um, what's next for them? Let's go with you, Mark. I think what's next for Motherwell is to basically. Now that Graham Alexander's come through the door and he's had his first couple of games to, uh, to, to basically the sort of the if you always whenever you come under a new manager comes in the squad gets a lift it's about maintaining that lift for me personally I don't think that they will be involved in the the relegation come May because of the uh, just because of of the appointment it's a sort of maybe. Uh, change of mentality kind uh, kind of idea and they've got good they've, they've, they've a lot they've a lot of decent options as well motherwell um so i think that they need to just make they need to just start uh, building on the sort of good aspects they can take from yesterday i think that they went after rangers really well um especially at the uh, the beginning of the game although rangers controlled the game eventually that was always going to happen that Motherwell need to build on and use the sort of high level of performance and discipline in their next uh, in their in their in their games basically for the rest uh, for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, it's it's really really it'd be really interesting to see uh, where Motherwell finish this season. That's definitely for sure. Um, Lewis, no, I definitely agree with everything Mark said there. But I think if you said would you take two points for your first two games when he came in, I think. Snatched them up, especially one against Rangers. 
Um, you said it's obviously tight down the bottom, but I think that also gives them an opportunity to sort of shoot up the table as well and finish in that top six because it's so tight in there. So I think there's definitely a chance in that if he can build, because he's clearly a very tactically aware manager. We've seen that yesterday, and he was he was actually unlucky not to get the three points in Paisley last week either. So there's definitely a chance he could shoot up that table if they get going. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Aaron. Uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I'm 100% sure Graham Alexander's going to be the man to keep him up in the Premiership. Uh, as Lewis says, he's a very tactically astute manager. And I think even just two points in two games, it doesn't even sound amazing, but in the context of it's a new squad and one of the games is against Rangers, as you said earlier, that's very good for Marwell. And Marwell's squad, he does have the squad to stay up. There's no doubt about that. It's a Premiership squad, whereas you could argue maybe the likes of Hamilton or maybe even Dundee United or the new promoted side. I know we're not really in a relegation battle right now. But Marwell do have a better squad than a lot of teams in the league. So they should be looking to stay up. I think Alexander will be the man to keep them up. I, I think as a Motherwell fan, you'd be looking at that and saying, well, yeah, we do have a Premiership squad and our squad, you know, they finished third last season. You know, they are a lot better than... A lot of the teams, if you look at like Ross County, Hamilton, St Mirren, St Johnston, um, I don't know if I'd go as far as Livingston. Livingston have been on a great form, but we'll come to talk about them later. But yeah, no, you're 100% spot on. I think they do have the, the squad to stay up, and I've got full confidence that they will stay up because they are a premiership side. Um, Rangers, they remain unbeaten uh, in this season's premiership. I think they've, you know, they drew with. Uh, Livingston, they've drawn with Hibernian and they've now drawn with, with Motherwell. Um, so I suppose it's it's not a posi- it's not a positive that the fact that they've they've dropped points, but they, they remain unbeaten. So I think Gerard might be happy with that. He said in his um, post match interview that the first half wasn't very like Rangers this season, um, but the second half was and it, it kind of adds to that that football is a game of game of two halves um i suppose the question now to pose with them remaining unbeaten can they remain unbeaten throughout the the rest of the season until may or is it too early to to make that sort of um assumption uh lewis we'll start with you i would say it's too early to sort of decide whether because you know they've got a lot of games to go and even they might win the league and sort of maybe take the foot off the gas a wee bit. But I think they were also on a run of, I think, 15 wins in a row. So you're not going to win every game and they'll certainly take a draw. It's not, it's not the worst result to go to Fur Park and get a draw, I think. So they'll certainly take that. Uh, Aaron? Yeah, see, honestly, looking at the league, I don't think there's anyone that can really beat them. I know anything can happen in any game, but even Celtic are the team you'd expect to beat them are extremely out of sorts. They're, I don't see anyone that can beat him. Hibs came close in Easter Road, I remember. Uh, he's not had to get a weak, weak equaliser. Aberdeen look hopeless against Rangers. Honestly, Livingston might be the best bet because of the 11 other teams in the league, nobody really matches up to Rangers right now. I know St Mirren beat him in the League Cup, but cup competition is a lot different from the league. And yeah, I don't think there's anyone that can really beat him right now. Yeah. Uh, Mark? Yeah. Uh, I well, I I particularly agree with what uh, with what Lewis, with what, uh, the the guys have said about, especially about Aberdeen, uh, Aberdeen, and I know we'll come to Aberdeen in a wee minute. I don't want to uh, preempt anything, uh, steal anyone's thunder too much, but have especially against Rangers have been 
woeful, especially in the, the in the, the first game of the season. The season at Petodre, it, it was um, it, there was a, it was an absolute it was an absolute joke of a performance by Aberdeen against Rangers. But uh, yeah, I, I can I, for me, I can see maybe Hibs at Easter Road potentially taking uh get maybe been able to beat to beat Rangers. Uh, and a couple of weeks time, or or the uh, the twenty seventh, I believe the Wednesday, the midweek, I think that fixture is, uh, and I can also maybe see obviously Cel- obviously Celtic been able to take to been able to to beat Rangers as well, but yeah, they've they've been they've been very they've done well to maintain their their um their unbeaten record within within the league. They were under a, a lot of pressure at times yesterday, but. Uh, they they did show that they did they are able to play a a game of two halves yeah I think that's uh, properly I think you know when Celtic were obviously on their unbeaten run um in the twenty sixteen seventeen campaign they they drew I think it was a total of four times but you know that's a character of a team that you know wants to be champions that they they do want to to score and they want to make sure that if they're not going to win that they are at least going to draw um. So as I said earlier, it's a it's a positive um, result. Could have been better, but um, it's positive for them. It does add on the negativity uh, pressure to Celtic now because it's an opportunity missed for them at the weekend. Um, we'll come to that um, towards the end of the podcast. But um, yeah, it's, they're unbeaten. I wouldn't go as far to say that they will remain unbeaten. Um, anything can happen in football. Uh, we saw that with St Mirren knocking them out of the League Cup. Um, surprises can happen. Um, I think if they did, it would be a well-merited achievement and they would fully deserve it because it, they have been blistering at, at points this season. So, um, yes, Move, moving on um, to the next game <clears throat> uh, of the weekend is Ross County versus Aberdeen. That was probably the second most interesting game um, of the weekend that, that, that I really found because of you know the result. Um, it wasn't a dull draw, you know. So it was four-one. Ross County absolutely scalped Aberdeen. Um, what did we think of the the game? What did we think of the performance, uh, Lewis? Yeah, they got off to a brilliant start. I think they scored after something like thirty odd seconds. So you couldn't really ask for a better start. I'd say John Hughes. I think he got it perfectly right playing against that Aberdeen back three. He played counted them very well. Played a fast front three and just got right at them. And to be honest. They were Aberdeen were all over the place at the back from goalkeeper to centre halves and it just wasn't not a good performance at all. And it maybe asked questions there, McKenna. I don't know. With the result four one against Ross County, it's not great, is it? Well, not not when you're Aberdeen, I suppose. Um, you know, you're battling for, for European football and you're getting beat off of the team that was bottom of the table um before before that game kicked off. So it's not a great um you know, look for him or, or Aberdeen. Um, come to that in a moment. Aaron, what, what did you think of the game? Uh, well, of course, it's a great one for Ross County. Um, I, I'm probably going to sound like I'm just repeating what I said about Graham Alexander with another manager, but I think John Hughes will also keep Ross County up and they were looking at Ross, uh, sorry, a relegation battle. Uh, but he just he seems to got the squad playing for him. Morales seems to be high and he even got Ollie Shaw back in goal scoring form. I don't think he'd scored. I mean, he scored one against the uh, Hibs uh, in December. And I've, from then, I don't think he's scored in the league since early November. So it's great mm. to see uh, him back in goals. But awful result for Aberdeen. I don't I don't see if how McInnes can take Aberdeen any further because they're not going to 
uh, challenge for the league anytime soon, and Europe seems to be slipping away with uh, Hibs now above them, and Levy seem to be putting this shift to overtake them as well. Yeah, no, um, Mark. Uh, yeah, uh, again, the, uh, I don't want. I, I, I don't want to repeat what I said about uh, Graham Alexander either. But I do think that Ross, the Ross County board have done really well with uh, appointing uh, appointing John Hughes to uh, basically to come in and try and uh, basically t- take their season in the direction that they, they want. They, they wanted to. Uh, they wanted to go in. Uh, yeah, so definitely a great, a, a great appointment. If you're Aberdeen, you you need to be, especially the manner and the way that they conceded some of the goals um, was great. If you're Ross County, you say great expansive football for uh, some of the goals, good build-up play, but Aberdeen's defensively were at sixes, at sevens for, for some of their, uh, some of their goals, particularly... Uh, particularly uh, the last one as well. It's not even the 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 keep the keeper coming out, which I know um, was also another point to highlight. But it was just the, the manner in which that Ross County were allowed to just freely play in behind Aberdeen was difficult. And I do agree with the boys. I think that McInnes is now under some definite significant pressure uh, at this stage in this stage in the season. Can't disagree. And um, we'll come to that. Uh, Ollie Shaw performed well, uh, as you said, Aaron. Um, can he now be the, the focal point for the Ross County attack to sort of, sort of drive them up the table, um, Lewis? I think once it was Leanne Dempster that said he was one of the best talents in Europe. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, he's, I think he's certainly got the potential to be sort of a leading front man for Ross County, and that's that's why they signed him. John Hughes, so far, well, especially in this game, seems to be getting all out. So I don't see why he can't be a decent striker for Ross County and lead them forward. Uh, yeah, no, I, again, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, let's, um, you touched on it, Aaron, and the Ollie Shaw performance. Let's touch on Ross Laidlaw. Um, he stood out for me yesterday, made made quite a few good saves. Um, does does that put him, and I, I suppose it's, we're in the transfer window, I suppose it's a key point to talk about, does that sort of put his performances, uh, highlight them and put, put them in the window as such, um, Mark? Uh, yeah, I think I think I thought um, that Ross Laidlaw was excellent yesterday. Um, I, a save that I particularly liked was the where he spread himself to deny uh, Matty Kennedy. I thought that was a I thought it was a fantastic. It's one of the most difficult and underrated saves as a goalkeeper because it's all about perfect. You have to spread yourself as big as you can and make sure that uh, you're basically as much a barrier as you can. Um, and the same, although there was one from the corner, a question of handball from uh, from actually from Curtis Main, but um, whether uh, he still has to come out and he still has to make a save. So all cre- all credit to um, to Ross Laidlaw yesterday and uh, great react great reactions when he's he's uh, the second save from uh, from right and uh, great reactions again for the uh, the third one as well. I believe that he saved with his feet as well. Just it just shown that he is a. Uh, a really, really uh, good up and good sort of um, Scott, a good goalkeeper in the Scottish League, and I definitely agree that uh, performances like that, if they continue to stay that way, people will definitely uh, sit, sit up and take a bit of notice of them. Um, Adam, I think he definitely put himself in a short window that performance, especially. Uh, also, Ross can be desperate to hold on to him uh, this window and beyond, especially now that Celtic have recalled Ross Duhan. Um. But for something like that, I'm going 
going to get his name out there. And we talk about, oh, Aberdeen have come around a lot of criticism that they're not able to finish. I think uh, Sam Cosgrove and Curtis Main have uh, set schools between them this season, mm. which isn't great at all. But you have to give credit to uh, the keeper there because uh, he's denied a lot of chances. Aberdeen, I know it looks like a bad result for them, but it could have been a lot more that they scored. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, let's move up to the the other end of the park then. Joe Lewis, um, quite a capable goalkeeper, um, has been rather reliable for Aberdeen. But yesterday, he conceded a few. I wouldn't say poor goals, but there were shots that went in that you would expect him to save. Um, what do we think about that? Start with you, Lewis. Yeah, I think in his day, Joe Lewis is probably up there with one of the best keepers in the league, and he's produced time after time for Aberdeen. But yeah, the other day, sorry, not yesterday. His performance the other day it certainly wasn't Joe Lewis like. I think there's maybe a few. It doesn't look great. Maybe I think it's his second Ross County goal where he strike doesn't strike it well, and it's sort of, sort of like a scuffed shot, and it just goes by him. Maybe a bit unfortunate that one, but stuff like the fourth Ross County goal from he comes out, and I don't know what he's trying to do with that. If he's trying, he's not trying to like sort of tackle. He's sort of just trying to block, and it ends up just bouncing off him. And, straight back to the county attacker. So it certainly wasn't a joyless performance on Saturday. Mark? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't a joyless performance at all on, on Saturday by any way, shape or form, particularly uh, the, the last goal as well. It's not even the fact that when he slides in, that it hits off of um, the, uh, hits off the Ross County attacker and uh, goes through. It's basically the fact that he actually doesn't really need to be there because... Uh, he still has a he still, he still has a lot to do. He stands up in his in his box, and then when he comes out and makes himself big. Uh, you're probably looking at it made a lot easier. And he's basically it reminded me a lot of and not exactly like because very correct at all point out it wasn't like this, but it's the the rash decision that Alan McGregor made all those years ago against George Samaras. Where, but it's one of them when you run out, you have to commit. Obviously, Samaras took it round McGregor and scored, but. The situation remains the same, that the goalkeeper should not be out there in that situation at all. He really should just stay on his line and uh, stay in his box, sorry, and come out and try and, uh, and try and stop and try and stop it that way, as opposed to basically selling himself, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Aaron? Yeah, because there's no doubting uh, Joe Lewis's ability. He's proved it over the years for Aberdeen, but what he was doing for that fourth goal is beyond me. And of course... Conceding four goals to Ross County at any time is not going to look good for you, but that fourth goal, I, I don't know what was going through his mind. He just he was never going to get the ball. I, I suppose you could say what well, he's unlucky of how the ball uh, the ball bounced off uh, the Ross County player, but he's never getting the ball. He never sure came for it. And second goal is sloppy as well. It just wasn't a good day for him. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, John Hughes's appointment is paying dividends. Um, Lewis, myself and you were speaking um, to, uh, I guess, last week, and they, they were saying about John Hughes was a good appointment. Um, it's paying off just now. On the, the other hand, Derek McInnes's future um, is now looking a little bit shaky. He, he's been there since, he's been there for almost is it seven or eight years. He, he's been at Aberdeen since like 2014, 2013, 14. It, it's not looking good for him now. There was a banner outside Pataudry, um after that 4-1 defeat telling him to, to leave the club. Fans aren't happy with him. Can he take Aberdeen forward anymore? Can, can, or is he taking them as far as he can? Uh, Lewis, we'll, we'll start with you. 
But McInnes has done wonders at Aberdeen over the years. I think obviously they've finished second. I think they they I think they won the League Cup a few years ago and stuff. So playing in Europe regularly or at least the qualifiers. So he's done wonders. Now I just don't see where they're going. They're sort of just stagnating and even falling down. And they could potentially finish fourth or fifth this year. So maybe I think it is time for change. And I think Aberdeen fans will be a bit frustrated by it because it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere right now. Mark. Absolutely, I think Aberdeen, I think Aberdeen fans will be will be really will be, will be feeling probably sick after that performance. It's it's, it's not great getting done four one any day, let alone in the manner that they did. And I think that again, there is absolutely no denying, without a shadow of a doubt, that Derek McInnes has done what worked wonders for Aberdeen again with uh, getting also getting them to numerous to, to cup to cup finals against uh, Celtic as well. Um, and I think that basically it is starting to maybe just come to, to, to sort of come to an end a wee bit the, the, the performance levels are, are awful the, uh, the, the it's just I think I really do think it is uh, it is time for a change and and, and he'll and, and he'll know he'll know that deep down as well that, uh, that everything's just simply not been good enough and I just think that yesterday just adds to the mountain pressure um, that's on top of Derek McInnes uh, the now from uh, the Aberdeen fans and just the, the just basically the way that Aberdeen have played in general. Yeah, uh, Aaron. As the guys have said, uh, McInnes has done great for Aberdeen, but and they're always a team that you expect to finish top four, and they do. But when are Aberdeen fans going to get sick of constantly just stagnating, finishing top four? Even this season, it looks like they're, re- they're regressing uh, with Levy on the rise. So they could easily finish fifth, and I'm not gonna. I'm not sure if that would get them in the the new Confidence League mm. uh, that UEFA have. But our way, it's not good for Aberdeen. A club as big as Aberdeen, in comparison to the rest of this league, they have to be uh, top four, maybe top three each season. And the doesn't look like he's going to be doing that. So for me, yeah. it has to go. So they, they need. They need. They basically are a um, last chance saloon for Derek for Derek McInnes if there is one. For for me, I personally um would think that um that it maybe as that maybe as time for a change. But if you wanted to, and I'm just kind of trying to take a sort of view, a balanced view on it, and both sides, uh, they do have two games in hand over Hibs just now to try and uh, basically take to take back well take back third. Agreed. Livingston are also very they are also um hotting their hotting their tails as well. But I do think that. Uh, McInnes says, if if Aberdeen don't win the next game, I think it's uh, I think it's curtains. I think that's that's the end of it. Okay, um, let's move on um, and talk about the next game, which was um, Hibernian versus Kilmarnock. Um, wasn't a great game, but Hibs put Kelly to the sword, uh, a two 0 victory for for the side in Leith. Um, Jack Ross called it a game that would be decided by small margins. Um, and it was, there was a thunderbolt of a shot from Gogic, which was a tremendous shot, by the way, um, that, that ultimately sealed the win. Um, Hibs essentially are pushing on for, for third now and kind of gunning for, uh, for second. They're, they're on Celtic's heels. They're only five points behind. Um, what's, the, what's the aim now for Hibs? Celtic are within sight, um, five points behind. They drew with them in, in Monday night. Um what what's the aim for Hibs now? Do they content with staying third, or do they 
sort of try and push on for a second. Um, start with you, Aaron. I think if you offered them at the start of the season a third place finish, they'd bite your hand off for it. Because obviously the old firm teams are always expected to come top two. Mm. And especially with, they were fantastic at the start of the season and their form has sort of dipped under Jack Ross recently. So that would be disappointing for them. I think they probably will be happy with third place finish right now. I know Celtic are dire at the moment, but they won't really be expected to catch Celtic, especially when Celtic have games in hand. So mm. I think a third place finish is great for them. Uh, Mark? I think if uh, you were Jack Ross and you sat in, in the, and you basically sat in your boardroom meeting when you first walked in at Hibs, I think that uh, third place would be your would be your sort of that's where they would maybe be your, your target would be. I can't I can't see them uh, that them having aspirations of trying to, to catch Celtic, especially as uh, Celtic have so have the the, the have the, the games in hand as well. Uh, what I will what I will say is, but if you're Hibs, you're thinking to yourself, well, a lot of the media pressure will be on top of Celtic for every game that they're playing just now because of the ten in a row season, the way they're playing. Hibs just need to keep going about their business the way that they're going about it. Keep winning games, keep performing at a high level. They've got a good squad. Uh, Jack Ross is abs- Jack Ross was uh, absolutely correct in what he said. It was an a, an, an own goal and a an absolute thunderbolt that um, that basically. Uh, Seb that was the the the, dif- the, the difference maker, um, and yeah, it was a it was a good win for Hibs with a league debut for new signing Jackson Irvine as well. So, yeah, a, a good a, a good a good day all round uh, for Hibs as well, especially with Aberdeen also not uh, also not been able to win. Yep, uh, Lewis. Uh, going into the season, I think I predicted that Hibs would be third, and I think a lot of people did because they've got a good squad and Jack Ross is a decent manager. So I think def- that will definitely be the, the aim to be, and I think they will finish there. With Saturday's game, that's a Saturday game you need to win if you want to be in that situation because obviously they've had a few poor results recently where they like said losing at home to Livingston and stuff, which obviously Livingston are on form, but you think Hibs would really want to pick up three points at home, especially. Mm. In January, they have recruited well so far, I think, with like Sakad and Irvin. Macy looks a decent addition as well, so I think they, de- I think they're definitely looking good for third. They maybe, obviously, they're not expected to, but they might be a wee bit disappointed that they're not pushing second now with how poor Celtic have been. But definitely cementing that, that third place is the the main aim. St Johnston versus St Mirren. Um, God, I, do you know what this weekend has been a a game of dull nil nils or? You know, d- draws are you know not nothing very exciting. St Johnston versus St Mirren though did you know show up uh, did bring up a little bit of controversy. Um, St Johnston won the game, uh, however there was a handball leading up to the goal. Um, let Let's talk on that. We mentioned Motherwell earlier on with their claim for an offside. There was a handball incident leading up to that goal yesterday, as mentioned. The VAR chat is back. Um, what do we think? What, what do we think of that? How did Stephen McLean not see that? You know that that handball. Let's start with you. Yeah, so I was actually lucky enough to beat this game. I was working on it, so it certainly wasn't the best, especially in the first half. I don't think there was a shot on target. Maybe only two in the game, three in the game. So it certainly wasn't the best game. I've got him. I didn't. Even, I missed the handball. I didn't see the handball at the time. So I don't know whether what Stephen McLean's angle was like. I hadn't noticed it was a handball until sort of Jack Allen came out and was claiming for it and he heard the St Mirren players sort of shouting. Looking in the replay, I think if there was, say, VAR, that discussion, 
with the rules and we've seen the Premier League this year, it probably would have been ruled out with Sutter. If it touches your hand, it's going to get ruled out. So I think, as we mentioned, the VAR argument, if it was there, it wouldn't have counted. And therefore, St Mirren would have, uh, you know, maybe hung on for a for a point, which would have pushed them up the table a, a little bit. Um, Mark? Uh, 100%, mate. Um, absolutely. It was a... Uh, 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 it was a handball for me. The reason why it was a handball for me is you don't jump with your hands above your head. Basically, that's the the bit that you need to you need to think about as well. Uh, so I can very I can uh, I can understand why uh, that uh, the St. Mirren players felt aggrieved at this um, uh, for the lead up to the goal, especially uh, for that. Obviously, the goal being the uh, being a one goal game deciding factor. With uh, with the, with Kane's goal ending a ten game winless streak for um, St Johnston, so that's obviously a a, a positive for them. Um, but in terms of in terms of in terms of VAR, it's quite it is that easy for handball if it's VAR and it's there with his hand being up there. That goes the goal's gone. Um, it's uh, the result. The the thing that they say about obviously resources about VAR. I don't really see why we can't have the resources in Scotland. I don't think that that's an excuse that we need to hide behind anymore. Um, well, everybody will point to there's the Premier League, but yeah, the Premier League is the richest league in the world, fair enough, right? But uh, there's, other, there's plenty of other countries that aren't, the, that aren't the Premier League that are doing it, that have been doing it as well. It's been used in the Copa America, and South, obviously, South America is down South America as well. And this is these are some of these countries are supposed to be some of the poorest countries in the world. So, I firmly believe that it's time that Scotland does uh, that that's, that Scot that Scotland really gets VR uh, into the the game so that it can hit, give the the ref give the referees uh, a, a hand as well because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of Celtic games that I've been at myself. Uh, with, as obviously as a fan and I've turned around and said if we had VAR it, it wouldn't be there and there's been plenty of incidents for every single team where I would turn around and say that if we had v, VAR that doesn't happen it's kind of a case of moving with the times would you agree guys? I definitely um, I think some men will feel extremely hard done by obviously as you said with VAR that gets ruled out every day of the week uh, no questions asked I think Steve McLean has to see that because his hand is clearly up near. I don't know how he's not seen that. And so we go score if it's just a sucker a punch for St. Mirren. With the red card coming after it, they'll feel very disappointed that how the game went. Yeah, no, 100%. The, the thing about VAR is that I think, you know, people saying that, you know, the SFA can't afford that, you know, the, the game can't afford that. I, I don't know how, much, how expensive it is, but. See when it's you know effectively wrong decisions are costing teams games. Surely it's the the price has to be to be cheap enough to to be able to eradicate these mistakes from the game. So surely VR has to be a you know in the the thought process for the SFA going forward because it, it is now becoming part of the modern game. It, you know it's something that that is going to have to come into the game at some point. Those. Although some people will make the argument, it depends who's doing the VAR. So, um, you know, Stephen Stephen McLean could be doing the VAR and make a mistake while he's doing it. So, you know, it doesn't it basically it doesn't shine a, a good light on our already under you know scrutiny referees. Um, 
as we're we're running out a bit of time here, let's move on. Um, uh, Hamilton versus Dundee United. I, I, you know, I've used this word many times in the podcast today, but it's just another dull game. Um, you know, there was absolutely nothing in it. Um, it was a good point for Hamilton, I suppose, in the relegation battle. Should Dundee United be disappointed um, with not beating Hamilton? I know Nicky Mellon um, spoke about it, uh, you know, saying that his team really, you know, should be picking up the points against teams like Hamilton. Dundee United now only four points ahead of Kilmarnock, top six spot coming under threat. Surely that's a disappointment for them. Uh, Aaron? Yeah, definitely. I think for every team in the league, Hamilton's a team that you see and think, OK, we have to pick up three points here. And for Dundee United to not do that, I know it's just been promoted, but a team as big as them to not be able to go to Hamilton and pick up three points, it's really disappointing for them. Uh, it's a great result for Hamilton nonetheless, but Dundee United will be better disappointed. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think when you're sorry, I know they're in sixth place, but with how close it is, these are the sort of teams you need to be going and getting three points off of. Obviously, I think if you had guessed a score, I think it would have been a draw in this game because I think Dundee United were the draw experts in the league and the last five games between the two sides has been three draws. So I think if you're sticking your money on something, it would definitely be a draw. And you, you wasn't surprised to see it come out with that scoreline. Uh, Mark? I absolutely think that um, and I agree with what the boy, what the guys have said about Dundee United. For me, if you're Dundee United and you have aspirations of top six, it's not even these are teams you should be beating. When you have the opportunity to, in this type of game, because they did create a, a couple of de- decent chances, you must, I mean, one thing, one person I have to credit is Ryan Fulton. I don't know, as Fulton said, the, ha- the Hamilton goalkeeper. I don't know if you've seen it, but wow, there was a save that came that from uh, that I honestly can't. It was absolutely brilliant reactions. He's managed to oh, turn it away. I absolutely fantastic save for him. So credit where credit's due. I really, really, I really, really, I like him. I've, 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 I've watched him a, a few times just on through the TV and and just whenever he's, whenever he, whenever I've been able to get the opportunity, just well watching the football every week anyway. But I've really, really. Really, I really like this. I think he's a, I think he is a good keeper, and um, and I, I really like him. So credit where credit's due there. But if you are Dundee um, United, you really, really need to be upset. And and I did see a thing where they were crying, they were moaning about a, po- a possible penalty. For me, the Aki's player dives in, but I don't actually think that he really. I, I don't I don't think it's a penalty because the guy the, the the Dundee United player tries to stay on his feet, and then decides to then just fall down. When the next sort of wasn't even a challenge, he, he, he actually he actually goes into an Aki's player and then kind of goes down. So, uh, but the Aki's player does go to ground in the box, which is always inviting a decision to be made. But for me, um, I just think that that would be papering over the cracks of a game that Dundee United really, really should have been looking to pick up three points at. Okay, um, I don't suppose there's much more to, to say on that game. Um, from one dull game to another, let's move on to the last game that we have to cover today, um, which was Celtic versus Livingston. Um, watching that game was like watching paint dry. It, it was absolutely boring. Um, I was actually in the middle of writing an essay for uni um, about the Bolsheviks. Um, 
and Vladimir Lenin. Um, you know, you go from writing about a guy that had a clear plan to watching a team led by a guy called Lenin with no clear plan. It, it really was, um, yeah, it was quite quite eye opening. Um, you'll see, I'll never be a comedian, by the way. Um, <laughs> Celtic missed opportunity, surely, um, with the Rangers result. Um, you know, going the way it did yesterday. What, what do we think of it? Um, Celtic, do you, will they be ruined that that chance to sort of close uh, close the gap a little bit more? Uh, Mark, let's start with you. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, uh, Stefan, a hundred, a hundred percent, mate. Because uh, Oko fights his chance as well. I don't know. I don't know what the boy's doing. Honestly, I really, really don't know what he's doing. He, he's got, he's got his. I don't, I don't know if he's still, he's still get his AirPods in or something, but go, go away, go away. Go, he's, went, he's went with a completely wrong foot as the cross has come in. For me, and as a Celtic supporter as well, I think it's just that I've been, I've been using a word to whenever I've been asked about this for the last few weeks, and I'm using the word uh, res, kind of like reset. I think that the club just needs a reset. The new, a new manager to come in, a new board, a complete reset because people will forget that. Uh, uh, that now that the two teams that that finish first and second in the league uh, will qualify to to try, sorry, will we'll get into the qualifying rounds for the Champions League, right? So you need to then think to yourself, um, right? So we we could get a new manager in here, implemented his style. By the time next season comes around, and uh, basically we 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 can we can then try and go. And basically, you could go from the, what happened this season to potentially playing Champions League football next season. And football's a funny game that way. When one when opportunities do arise to to get out of a situation such as this, so um, I I think so. But what the, certainly on the game at the weekend, and apologies for the the big long amble there. But um, on the game or at the game at the, the weekend, set pieces again is the problem as well. Um, and just basic defending at times has just been what's really cost them um, cost Celtic this year this season. Uh, but it'll be a different game on Wednesday night with uh, well well as Gavin Stratton did indicate actually after the game that the COVID players should be on their way back. Did they not say that yeah. after the game? So yeah, that, even uh, even then even then I was just about to say that it does the matter living away with your full team um, is difficult enough. So. Um, it will be a very, 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 very tough game on uh, Wednesday night against Livingston. But for me, I think that it's a game that uh, that we have to really go and 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 win on Wednesday. Celtic must uh, Celtic must look to go on Wednesday and start just getting start trying to claw the points back and start trying to just make sure we win the games in hand and just try and uh, fin- finish the season on as as high a note as uh, as possible. Yeah, can't disagree with that. Um, Lewis, missed opportunity for, for Celtic? Well, I would say it could be a missed opportunity for Celtic, but I'd say by the looks of it, it could also be a missed opportunity for Livy. I think David Martindale was speaking after the game, saying they were in that dressing room disappointed they didn't come away with three points. They had a good few chances. Mullen, Effie Ambrose probably should have scored. It was a good save for Hazard in the Mullen one. Celtic had the Oakleflex chance. <clears throat> like Mark said, I don't know what he's doing. Going with the right foot, you've got to go in with the left foot there. But just simply the story of Celtic season. I think they were just extremely poor defensively, even though they kept a clean sheet. <coughs> what must Steve Mills be thinking? Getting with when he's played well on Monday, ahead of him's a defender who gets sent off at Ibrooks and Shane Duffy, who's certainly not set the world alight. So yeah. it's just it's just 
it's not great, is it? And as you say, another dull game which sums up Celtic season. Well, that's a fantastic point, mate. Honestly, about uh, about Stephen Welsh. I mean, Stephen Welsh was flung in at the deep end against Rangers back in uh, October, and for me that day, I think Stephen Welsh played very well. Honestly, I think he did a good game against. I know that obviously it's very difficult to see anybody. It's very it's very difficult to say anybody had a good game and you could beat two 0 against off of Rangers. But I did think that Welsh did okay. It was the, the the buck didn't stop with him basically, if that makes sense. Uh, so if you're Stephen Welsh, I, I think that you are basically turning around and turning around and saying to yourself, how how am I not getting a game in front of in front of what uh, what's there? Um, but. Look, I don't, I, I, I don't know about that one. Um, I was, I was also, if I, if you don't mind, uh, guys, I was actually thinking about something earlier about see this, um, and I know that, and I know that I've have said had a go at Oko Flex for his chance, but I, I think that starting, I don't like the Mikey Johnson up front idea. I don't know about you guys. I don't like it for anybody. Uh, but that was my big criticism about the. Uh, uh, about some of the, the games earlier in the seat, bigger games that we lost is in any games that of any sort of team. I always like a recognised striker of some description to be on. I don't buy into this midfielder playing up front like El Yunusi's tried to do a few times this season as well. I don't really buy into that theory at all. Um, I think that uh, that you should always be looking for a recognised striker. And if you'd have maybe gave Okoflex a full game, then maybe you would have been able to. He would be able to get maybe just more movement, create more chance. He just as a natural striker. I just don't ever really like that, not having a, a natural striker thing. And I don't know if, if uh, what you guys think about that, if you agree with me or not. Ah, uh, 100%. I think we've seen it several times with Lennon as well. He likes a Christie against Fern Travers. It's always come back to bite him. And I mean, I don't, the only one probably was Oakley didn't have a proper recognised striker with the four main guys out. But it's just simply doesn't work. We've seen it multiple times, but we'll just keep trying it, you know. <laughs> um, I know, mate. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, we don't learn from our mistakes and we just, it's like doing the same thing over and over and over again that doesn't work is just, it's insanity. Um, just before we, we kind of go here, um, Eddie Howe's been tipped for the Celtic job. Um, I've seen a lot of angry tweets on Saturday night. People sort of saying, oh, "I wouldn't take Eddie Howe. He get relegated from the Premier League with Bournemouth and the job he did at Burnley." Um, what we're saying, would we take Eddie Howe? Um, Aaron, let's start with you. I would get down on my hands and knees for Eddie Howe right now. <laughs> for anyone over on the at this point, Vladimir Lenin, get him in right now because if anyone over on the Lenin, as manager now, we wouldn't have been in the situation. Uh, like against Levy, where we're seeing Anthony Ralston ping the ball into Armstrong Flicks in the ten in a row season. That that was on that was unthinkable under Rogers. And again, we we just set up to fail. So how wouldn't have played? I know Mark said he thought it was Mikey Johnson up front. I thought it was Tom Rogic playing as a false nine. But so did I actually. I, I thought that, 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 that says so, a lot that we don't know. Exactly, mate. That's it. Like you've just about to say that. That was me taking a a hazarded sort of sensible guess to sort of figure out what was what was happening at the weekend, you know what I mean, like the, from previous things, but I can totally see the argument for Tom Rogic playing uh, in there as well, because it, it did look as if it was a sort of, a, 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 a mixture of both, didn't it, a wee bit, so you're, you make, you make a, a great a great point about that one. Uh, for for me on Eddie Howe, I'm uh, as well, maybe a lot of people know actually out, out in Spain, out in Spain just now on my year abroad for uni and I spoke to a Bournemouth fan yesterday and Saturday actually funnily enough 
and I spoke about Eddie Howe. I'm not, I'm not kidding on. I spoke to him. He's, um, his name's Jake from Bournemouth. He's a nice guy. And he turned around and said that Eddie Howe would be a good manager for us tactically and would be really, really good. But he, he did say that, and I don't know if I believe this because I believe that money talks in the game. So this isn't me giving my opinion about, about this. But I was given the argument that he is very reluctant to leave home, but I don't buy into that in the modern game because at the end of the day, you're going to be on a big salary at Celtic and money talks at, at the end of the day in any walks, any walk of, foot, walk of life or football. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I, I would expect him to, to come in. Um, Lewis, just finally on you. With regards, Eddie, I think it'd be a great appointment in terms of, there's loads of clips going about, you heard about his philosophy and his tactics and stuff. It'd be a great appointment, but is it too forward thinking for the Celtic board? To be honest, um, I, I think he would be a bit crazy to come here. <laughs> to be honest, and I'm saying it from a Celtic fan perspective, I don't um, see him taking the job. It'll probably be one that will look at and will go, "It's a mess right now upstairs on the football pitch. It's all a mess." So yeah, I'd love him, but I just don't know if I see it. It just shows you what happened under Brendan Rodgers as well was just how they achieved, how good an achievement it was. And listen, he has the way that he cannot claim to be the way that he left Celtic was an absolute disgrace from the from basically running away through the night. It was an absolute joke the way that Brendan Rodgers. Anyone that claims to be a proper Celtic fan cannot leave Celtic in that manner. But what it did show is the professionalism around the club. Everything was just different under Brendan Rodgers, and it was. A world-class manager, and um, and I and I will choose my words really carefully here because I know that a lot of people will be getting hit on Twitter for this. I do know Neil Lennon as a Celtic legend, as a player, fabulous player, great was great for Celtic for years, but Tommy Burns and Billy McNeil got sacked, and uh, from jobs as, as Celtic managers. So it's it's uh, the the sort of. Yes, he's a legend and he'll always be respected as a legend. If anything, I respect him as a lot for basically when Brendan Rodgers ran through the night. Uh, he, he took us when nobody else really would, when we were in a desperate time of need. And he did he did, and he, he did, did and come in and I've always got a lot of respect for him for that. But for me, I just think that it's maybe, some t- a bit, it's maybe time to uh, move, to maybe, to just move on, to move on and get a, a new manager because when you're a manager, it's what happened as a player is, is uh, goes basically completely out of the window. I mean, you've I've seen Chelsea fans about Frank Lampard as a good example, probably the best players, probably the best Chelsea players for a long, long time, and he's getting and basically that's what they're saying. Well, you need to be different with uh, a manager with obviously being sort of a manager the way that you were as a player. And Neil Lennon will always be backed by the Celtic support wherever he goes and whatever he does, but. I think I think that maybe if he was to to leave just now, it would be for the the benefit of everybody. Just time, as I said before, for a reset. I mean, I, I, I totally. I'm sorry. No, on you, on you go, Aaron. No, I totally agree. I don't think I've ever seen a manager at any club as overprotected as Neil Lennon because no one will survive this. You can't tell me that Ronnie Dyler, if he was still in charge, would have even survived Finnish Faros, let alone where we are now. And even Brendan Rodgers, I don't think, would have got to this point. I think they would have cut, cut their losses. I don't know what... It, I know he's a Celtic legend, but how Neil Lennon stayed in the job, he must have gotten over the board because it's unbelievable. And not to take anything away from Rangers, has been fantastic this season, but in my eyes, it would mainly be 
Wall, Desmond and Lennon that, that was on men to stop the 10. And they're a Celtic, he's a Celtic legend, but it's going to be hard to forgive Neil Lennon for that. He should have stepped down a long time ago if it's not going to get sacked. Lewis? Um, echo the guy's points. It's ridiculous we've got to this stage. Fern Farrell scoring a runner. I think now we're seven wins in 21 games, so no manager survives that. I think regards with no fans there, it's probably helped them a bit in terms of they've not been able to put pressure on and some of the guys at the Cynic have started sort of a letter to send out, but it's just not been great at all this season and you don't know how you survive this. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, right, well, that, that kind of closes it off for us, guys. Um, thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, thoroughly enjoyed having you on. I hope you enjoyed coming on. Myself and Lewis will be joined by fellow student journalists Ben McNichol and Ryan McGinley, who you already know of. Um, he appeared on the episode number three, where myself, Lewis and Ryan reacted to Peter Lawwell's statement and apology to the Celtic fans. Uh, He will be back on with us next Monday at 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Uh, Just before I go, if you haven't already um, subscribed to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes, please just hit that subscribe button. It just means that you'll get the latest episode of the podcast as soon as it's out. Um, And if you can turn on notifications for it as well, you'll be the the first to know when it's out. Um, All the support is very much appreciated, um, especially since the change of Day Stefano Talks has has occurred. Um, Listenership uh, in the past month has grown by 547% as of recording. Um, so many people have subscribed just if you haven't subscribed if you could do it um and i just i I really appreciate all your support um we tried to create a platform for student journalists to come on and talk about football and the game and the the sport that we love um and it seems that everyone's really enjoying it so a massive thank you to every single person who is downloading the podcasts listening to the podcast uh subscribing interacting with us on twitter which by the way day stefano talks it's at day stefano talks on twitter um i, I just I, I can't you know express how much gratitude uh, i have to have so many people supporting us um so without dragging this on too long and making a big spiel of it next monday 4 p.m google podcasts itunes and spotify <laughs>